Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Dog on Good Information, and welcome my co-host Tommy Fahey. Hello, Heidi. We're together for this episode. Yes, Tommy's down in Florida, visiting me in sunny Florida, so we get to do this one together. And boy, do we have a sensational interview! We're going to get right into it because it's um, just just awesome. Uh, Chris from Pinnacle Pets is going to talk with us about um, a program called Canine Care Certification where breeders are actually certified, but just a great conversation about what you really need to know and understand about uh, particularly the dog world, but the pet world in general. So um, stay tuned. Absolutely phenomenal interview. Some doggone good information. For sure. Hello, happy to be here, Heidi. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And of course, Tommy's here as well, the fellow Missourian. So yeah. you guys are right down the road from each other. Basically neighbors. <laughs> In the Pretty great- much. It, 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 yeah, it, uh, we're, 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 if you're in Missouri, we're, we're all part of the Show Me State. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I'm excited to have you on because uh, on our dog podcast, Dog on Good Information, we talk a lot about pet ownership and that. And um, I push back hard against the adopt, don't shop movement and try to, the goal is to put uh hashtag. There's more to the story. So, you know, the shelter overcrowding and you shouldn't go to a breeder or all that, you know, the puppy mill, there's so much more to the story and so much more in depth. So I love what you guys are doing. You're, you have, it's pinnacle pets, correct? correct. Okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, why don't you tell us what you do? Because I love the fact that you're you're actually looking at certification for breeders to push back against this, you know, the the stigma of breeders. Yeah, so we're, we're pushing back against it. I mean, because it's conflict marketing, right? It's it's you got to provide a bad guy and you got to provide a solution and you got to be able to do it in thirty seconds. Yeah. And 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 just like you said, there's so much more to it. There's so excuse me, it's such a diverse. It's such a diverse network of people that you work with. And, um, you know, it, it, in the past, excuse me, there was this, I would say almost this wall or this, um, uh, iron curtain, if you will, that, that separated, um, uh, a breeder, uh, from, from the, from the customer, from somebody who's buying the pup. And it was out of fear. And I think it was out of, uh, you know, uh, fear of, oh my gosh, you know, what if they, they don't need, you know, my services as far as a, a broker or store anymore, or, you know, what if, you know, what, what the, the end consumer obviously can't understand the, can't understand the, um, you know, the day-to-day life of a breeder and what they do. And so that was really kind of where we founded. I've been in this business since, uh, gosh, uh, over 20 years now. And, uh, it, um, that's where we kind of founded Pinnacle Pet was it we wanted to really we wanted to really remove that that iron curtain, if you will, and really, you know, take that leap of faith that if you educate the customer on on what, you know, what their questions are um, and, you know, and, and give them solid, provable information whenever they ask the, the standard, you know, the standard internet required questions of where does your puppy come from or is this a puppy mill but really almost become a marketing platform for our um, for the breeders that work with us you know we found that we built uh you know we built quite a bit of loyalty um we provided a place that um 
that breeders were proud to do business with, they're proud to be associated with, and stores were as well. And so that that grew into us wanting to really wanting to do more, you know, as much as we possibly could with the breeders, whether that be, you know, um, OFA, which is the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. We do, we put together clinics to where you can do some OFA testing on your breeding stock. We work with AKC on some of that. Uh, we do some of our own. So anything that really, anything that really helped the breeder, helped the, you know, made their, uh, made their kennel better, made life, made, made you know, the, the situation better for the pups in their care, the dogs in their care was something we really suck our teeth into um, up to and including, you know, the, the, the Purdue program when they started studying commercial breeders, it was something that we, we wanted to be a part of. And um, so we, we jumped in, you know, we jumped in with them helping them out in 2015 and um, you know, or, and now we're, you know, proud to be a, um, an integral part of, you know, there, there are over 200 breeders that are certified by, you know, uh, canine care certification that's, you know, sponsored by Purdue University, you know, a, a well-respected land-grant veterinary university. So, um, you know, and that's, I think that's my, that's really been my driving force. My oldest son now is a breeder. My youngest son is a, is a dog trainer. Um, you know, my kids have grown up, you know, my kids have grown up understanding what it means to wake up in the morning and take care of some, you know, uh, a, a being yes. that is, is completely yeah. dependent upon you. Um, and I've seen him grow into men, uh, responsible men. You know, my, my 22 year old son is not, he's just a few payments short of, you know, paying off his own home. Um, he has his own business and I mean, Wonderful. his, his love and his bond with the first dachshund he got and he named him water bowl when he was seven years old because <laughs> he liked sleeping in his water bowl. So that was the dog's name. That dog taught him, you know, taught him responsibility. That dog taught him that, Hey, before school, water bowl needs to be taken out it needs to be fed. Yeah. It needs to be, make sure he's watered his, his, his enclosure cleaned. And, and, you know, and um, he's carried that responsibility, you know, carried that responsibility into, you know, having a successful, you know, a successful kennel. And he's, He's the youngest and, and you know, one of the, was one of the first certified kennels in Missouri and is and still maintains one of the youngest certified kennels in the nation. So I um, love, I love the, um, I, I've recently come across the canine care certification mm-hmm. and it's because it's this whole stigma that I, I think this is so ironic that if you go to a pet, a pet store and purchase a puppy, that it's bad because you're not adopting a dog and that we don't know where they come from. When I go to hearings or that and I listen in on this stuff or see the press releases of the activists, they always say, we don't know where these puppies come from. And I I don't laugh at that in a humorous way because it's very frustrating, but it's laughable because the only dogs we really don't know where they're coming from are the shelter dogs. And that doesn't make them bad. That just doesn't make them the choice for everybody. And when we take away the right for you to go to a pet store by by uh, banning them, I live in Pinellas County, Florida, as you know. T- Tommy happens to be visiting me, so we're doing the podcast together today instead of across the computer. Yeah, um, it's much better weather down there today. Yeah, oh, up here. <laughs> we have we're having a pic. He was at the beach today, so we're having a picture perfect day. It happens to be. Please, this- please ignore any potential scowls. So <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try to keep the smile on. <laughs> happens to be the second day of January, so we're ringing in yeah. the new year, right? But we have in Pinellas County. I think we have six. Uh, we still have six pet stores, and right. they didn't ban them outright, but they grandfathered them. So. And um, 
I'm happy about that. But in Manatee County, right below us, they actually turned their ban over. I, I still need to get to that commissioner and chat with her. I'd love to have her on the podcast. I understand yeah. it was a particular woman, but it's it's just so frustrating. So now here comes a credible source like Purdue University and Dr. Crony, I think it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. And again, you said Crone. 2015. This is not like all of a sudden we just, somebody decided to throw this out there to combat this. This is this is intelligent people who actually understand the science and the data and are looking at it, not from this emotional perspective with a, a singer over the top of it asking for your donations, but people who are qualified trying to do the best by the animals and ensure that there's some, some um, ensure the quality, I guess. And mm -hmm. I love that. I think, I think this is a great program and it, I believe that's something you've been doing by pairing uh, credible breeders, which there are many of certainly, with the pet stores, right, to who will mm -hmm. offer their puppies. So I, I'm thrilled about hearing about this and delving into it more. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it's, like uh, it, it's kind of the societal norm now to present problems with no solutions. Correct. We just want to tell everybody what's Identi wrong. Identify a problem. Right, yes, right. just identify the problem and, and then hound it until yeah. it's mm -hmm. just gone. And make some money. And exactly. Right. Make money. On and, the, and, yeah. and that's what I mean. It's it's I, and I love you. I love the start of you saying, you know, there's more to the story because because there is there's no there's no way you can talk about, you know, and, and, and obviously we, we specialize in puppies, but I don't care what what breed or species it is. Uh, there is there's no way in that 30 second elevator speech that you can talk about all the good things that go into that. Yes. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and spin it. And that's, that's the hardest, you know, what I found in this, in this, and I'll call it a fight. Um, yeah. you know, our fight is my fight is just trying to get people to stop long enough to listen to what we have to say and look at the proof that we provide them. Um, but in, in, you know, again, you go back to almost society, you know, societally today, it's, it's one click. It's the, it, I just need that headline. I'm not, headline. I, you know, all your social media even says that, you know, basically make your, make your videos 20 seconds or less. Yep. I mean, our attention span is, is rapidly shrinking. And so that's, it's, it's not so much the message because it's not so much the message that some of the national animal rights organizations are pushing. It's the time you know, if, if I can get somebody to give me just a little bit of time um, and listen and look at, you know, the, the evidence and the information we provide, um, their claims are easily disputed. Yeah. I, I mean, their claims are, you know, I'm, I'm sure maybe in the 70s, 80s, it goes so far as to say maybe the early 90s. I mean, 30 plus years ago, there might have been some merit to it. But, you know, farmers, agriculturally minded people, you know, animal animal lovers, people who care for animals have been conscious of the, of, of science that comes out, you know, more and more science that comes out and, they, and they're incorporating it sure. into their facilities. And so to, you know, to rob them of that and to say that they're still doing a terrible job is like I said, that's, it's, it's easy to combat their message. If somebody will just give us the time, you know, if somebody will take time just to listen to your podcast and, 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 you know, take more than that 20 seconds for the elevator speech. You, you, you walk away much, you know, a much broader world. It's yeah. a much better yeah. broader world. I think that's so. what's so great about what you're doing um, and creating these sort of standard operating procedures and certifications and the follow-up and the background information 
uh, that we can track, you're creating solutions for the problem rather than just talking about a problem. Yeah. No, nobody wants a puppy mill. No. We, nobody wants Including that. Including breeders. No. Yeah. 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 Le- yeah legitimate it's, it's, people don't want that. I hate seeing that in the, I hate seeing that in the paper. Uh, I mean, we had a, just recently, just a few months ago, not too far from my main offices. I think he was 20 miles. He was unlicensed. Um, you know, he was out, you know, selling, selling puppies and yeah. just, uh, I, I don't even want to go over it now. I mean, atrocious. atrocious. Police recalled a, a friend of mine's a sheriff's deputy. He was telling me what he's seen out there and it was just, it broke my heart. But what hit the papers was just the word breeder yeah, and, and how terrible he was. And it's like, well, here, here they go again with that industrial size roller paintbrush. And they're going to use the word breeder and it's going to, they're going to try to apply it to everybody in that category. And, right. and, and yeah, so I, I, it's, it's, that's part of the battle too every day is to, Hey, let's, let's distinguish, you know, just like, Barbershops, fast food restaurants. I was just going to say, there. Show me any industry or profession above reproach. There's quack is, doctors, all good or all bad. and there's yeah. wonderful yeah. doctors. There's lawyers that get a bad rap, and there are lawyers that are fantastic. Waitresses. I mean, name. I. I. That's what I say on the podcast to what I think are reasonable people who may be duped by the animal rights groups. Right. We're not going to reach the top of them. They're not interested anyhow. They're making multi million dollars and you know, fattening, feathering their own nest. So I'm looking for the people who've been drawn in by PETA or HSUS or ASPCA or whatever and really care about animals but don't get our messaging as much because we're busy, frankly, taking care of animals and trying to do that work. But so I push back on that hard because I say to them, anytime I encounter a person that's not an animal person that buys into this and they say, well, I, you know, I heard this. I say, what, what do you do? I'm a waitress. So uh, there's a waitress who's horrific, who's robbing, you know, taking the cards and robbing people. So you're all like that. I don't care what they say. You all have to be. Absolutely. People become yeah. more reasonable than they say, well, okay. I say, so you, you're a reasonable, smart person and you're actually believing everybody who owns a circus elephant is horrible. Everybody who breeds a dog is horrible. It, when we get a chance with that message, we make we make strides. But again, uh, you know, a seven second soundbite, a ten set, you yeah. know, twenty second TikTok. But that's why I do the podcast because it's my cathartic way to sleep at night and feel like I'm doing something to get the message out by interviewing folks like you and you know. In a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I. Um, and, and, and I'll have her remain nameless that uh, I've, I've done a lot of work in, in not just the, not just the animal, the breeding space, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we'll talk about later, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, or later date, you know, the shelter space and yeah. because it's animals, right. I, and, and I love dogs and I want all dogs, whether yeah. they're purpose bred, uh, you know, or, or a shelter. I, I, I think everybody needs to experience that human animal bond, but in my work with, um, it's brought me in, in touch with a lot of different people that I, I never would have thought that I, that I, would have met with. And uh, one of them, it was just a couple weeks ago. And and what she said to me was so profound and I've actually used it in a couple discussions with folks. And that's first, you know, when, when, when somebody, if somebody comes at you and they, I guess they've kind of drank the Kool-Aid is to ask them, you know, Hey, are you being passionate or compassionate? How about we start with some compassion first and then we can work on your passion. There you go. You know, Um, and and when she said that, it just, it struck me like a, just like a hammer. I was like, you know, 
Yeah, I've, I've coming up against people. I've come up against some very passionate folks, mm-hmm. but they've seemed to have lost their compassion in the in, in 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 finding that passion. So you know, and and that's kind of stopped the a lot of the that's kind of stopped a lot of the discussion. Is tracks is hey, let's you know, can we be compassionate about your passion? You know, let's start with some compassion first for one another as as humans, as people, and then we can probably get to the bottom of what what you know, you really think, unless you just don't want to. And then, you know, like Tommy says, I just want to identify problems. Well, if you do, then I have no interest in spending time with you. Yeah. There's no, no further discussion. You can't convince them. You're not going to win. Right. Yeah. You're not going to win. So yeah, there is no win. There is no stalemate. It's, it's, they, 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 they're only looking for anarchy at that point. I love the compassion, passion versus compassion. Versus compassion. You, (laughs) when we, you and I talked briefly, um, because I like to just do my interviews. I don't, spend a lot of time on the phone with people because the conversation I would have on the phone is a conversation I want to have. We're having now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I've interviewed a lot of people I know when I started the podcast because like one of the first people was a person who's responsible for the most births of Asian elephants outside of Southeast Asia. He was, oh, wow. he was who I had in mind when I started the podcast because I hear him at lectures and elephant-related seminars. I want John Q. Public or Mrs. Smith, who cares about animals but has been drawn into PETA, to hear from this guy who says, we have to have elephants at zoos. We have to have elephants in the, you know, amusement industry and everything because they get trained and they breed better and all of, you know, like there's just more to the picture. And Well, it drives people to the science as well. Yes. I mean, it drives, That's I, mean, Tommy, I guarantee you, yeah. yeah, there's probably not a veterinarian or, a, or a, a zookeeper one that doesn't remember going and seeing the live, you know, the, the, the in living, breathing creation of their passion as a child. I mean, yeah. that's usually what sparks that fire. That's what I was just going to say. Ask a zookeeper or a vet especially with exotic animals where that you didn't see all the time. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I saw that elephant at a zoo and I, w- I found out you can make a career out of that at the elephant mm-hmm. managers conference. You hear that all day long. Yeah. We're taking it's that somebody, oh, opportunity away yeah. from people. And now with dogs, we've be, just become silly. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just like, we've never seen dogs and we're, we're around, you know, we're, we've got to, we've got to kind of sort through the scenario of dogs that are right for your families, dogs that aren't. And, and we've got a big dilemma with dogs that are in shelters, but they're not necessarily the most adoptable. And again, that's, we've done many podcasts on that and I'm sure you could speak to that, but I want to, I want to let you get to one of a, 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 a kind of a new direction for your business, which I, you were alluding to and um, in exposing more, just not just dogs, but other animals as well. So tell us about that. Yeah. So it, um, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of that natural uh, for for us, I guess it's, it's naturally the, um, our progression. It, you know, I, I tell my staff all, all the time that we are fan, we, we're, we're terrible planners, but we're fantastic doers, right? It, it, I have no five-year plan. Um, I have no, <laughs> I have no ten-year plan or, or or one-year plan for that matter. But we, this, you know, everybody does, right? They, they just they see that opportunity for for you know uh, for potential or for growth, and we do. And and I mean, it started, gosh, um, 10, 11 years ago. You know, I mean, it just focusing on care of our, you know, increased care of our pups, 
not just with an R with an R facility, but but focusing on increasing care and increasing, you know, um, just kind of really focusing on, you know, some of the five freedoms and stuff at the breeder level, you know, for the puppies really increased health, you know, increased health for, um, for the puppies that we've seen in our care. And when you have healthier puppies, you have a veterinarian that's not as busy. And so without, without a veterinarian that wasn't as busy, well, let's, let's open up a clinic and let our veterinarian work and, you know, offer some low cost stuff to our community that, that, you know, is in desperate need of, of help with pups. And, um, you know, that led to, again, seeing, you know, seeing a need and, and, and we opened up a, a daycare and a training center. Um, oh, I love it. And uh, opened up a, a second veterinary clinic, um, you know, just as we've kind of identified these, hey, you know, there, there's where, where we see kind of soft spots. It's like, hey, you know, we have knowledge, let's, let's expand there. And that, that led us to dealing with, dealing with so many pet stores over the years. It, it, it's it's become a little disheartening that the only thing that they focus on is is the puppies. It's it's the pet store experience, if you will, um, is, is is slowly gone away. Some some because you know of the pressures of you know the pressures of big box stores opening up in a community. Some from the pressures of the national organizations, but some of it's just been you know uh, business owners identifying that you know hey people want puppies they'll come to store to buy puppies and you know, that's, that's an easier inventory to manage than, you know, 700 different types of leashes and dog foods. And, uh, and so it's, it's, you, you see, you're seeing a lot or, or growth of the, excuse me, of the puppy only store. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're losing just, just like we talked about that experience of going to the zoo and seeing that elephant for the first time, you know, it, it the, there's, I see it in legislation with some of the other groups I'm, I'm at, there's, there's more and more pressure, you know, cause as the puppy goes, so, so does the rest of the pet trade. If you can, if you can convince a lawmaker to pass bills on a puppy, well, you know, it's, it will not be long between, you know, birds, fish, you, you name it, that it, the rest of them will start going. Cause there's nowhere near as, as much support for yeah. the reptile trade. We can't, trade. we can't make people understand that either. Yeah. I had the U S arc. Phil Goss on talking oh, Phil, about Phil's yeah. a fa- oh, he is a phenomenal what an amazing guy check out that and, podcast uh, folks <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be listening to that Phil is Phil's just he's passionate and, and, and so informative yeah. but um he um but you know to, I mean to Phil and and being associated with um uh our you know our advocacy group up in DC that's how I've got to know Phil John Max some of these reptile guys and and uh you know it wasn't that long ago that, you know, a friend of mine was and I were sitting around at the trade show just kind of discussing, wow, sad, you know, where do you go for a, you know, where do you go for a bearded dragon? Where do you go for a, you know, for, for, for some of the more, you know, niche, but uh, more exotic pets. And you, you have some of the box stores, you know, the, the large box stores, but really you don't have an experienced staff that, that you can go to. You may buy a, a bearded dragon from a big box store. But when you go back in a month to ask him questions about, you know, sh- should I feed him a, a cockroach or should I switch to doobie roaches or should I, you know, stick with crickets? Well, the kid that you bought him from is no longer there, yeah. you know? Um, and so it, we, you know, half joking, half serious was like, I, we would love to take all, you know, all the experience that we have and, and, and 
put together a pet store, put together, you know, not just a pet store that we sell puppies, come here to buy a puppy, but a pet store is an experience that it, it encouraged, you know, the kids, Hey, you want to hold it? You want to pet it? I'm, I'm not going to pressure you to buy it. I'm not, but I, I want you to hold it and I want you to pet it. And I want you to not be scared of the sun conures that climbs up on your fingers, not be scared of the, the boas that, you know, wraps up your arm, I, you know, learn. And because one of those kids, you know, one of those kids is that's going to be their first experience. And that's going to be experience that sets off, you know, like you talked about the next person that oversees the most Asian elephant bursts in the name, you know, outside of Asia. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope through, through our store that we open up in May, um, you know, it, um, it, it, we've got a, we've got a family and they're, they're, uh, they love snakes and there's a, they, they come in once to twice a week and, uh, they're five-year-old. She all but gives classes to other kids. She enjoys <laughs> bringing in her snake that she calls Rosie. And she talks to other kids and, and shares her, she keeps her wrapped around her arm. And then she talks about it. And and that five-year-old has probably got more, she has more responsibility. Right. And, um, you know, she, she knows more is more knowledgeable at five years old than probably most teenagers nowadays. I mean, she, you know, she has to care for that animal and her dad is, is instilled that and she loves it and she does it passionately and with compassion. So, um, you know, it, yeah, so we opened up the, we opened up summit zoo, uh, in Lee summit in Missouri, Lee summit, just outside of Kansas city. And, um, and we, we tried to cover everything. I mean, we, we put in a, a koi pond, um, you know, so oh, uh, folks yeah. can sit and just watch koi. Uh, we've got the full fish department, puppies, small animals, birds, reptiles, spiders, and it's just, and, and we call it the zoo, you know, and, and, you know, some of the zoo, because we want it to be, we want it to be that type of experience that if you, if, if you want to leave and, and buy one of those animals, you can, but if you want to come and just play with a puppy or watch right. the snakes call around, you do that as well, you know? Um, and so we, we opened that full line pet store because it's just it, with I all the stores it. that we've dealt with, I see that, it, that's becoming a dying, you know, a dying business. And, and there's so much to be learned about animals and animal care, all of them, at, you know, at a pet store. So gosh, Chris, that's the part for me that, you know, I, I could kind of, I don't own uh, my horses anymore. I had some neck and uh, nerve damage in my hands. So I was having trouble mm. with more of the heavier stuff, which goes along with horses. So, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I, my family doesn't own any elephants at the moment or that. So I could kind of walk away and find another thing to devote my time to, you know, foster kids or something. But I, I know that if we don't stay in this, we collectively, the animal experts are the people who truly have the compassion and understand how this changes our society, not for the better, taking animals out of our life that it's changing the culture of the fabric of our country and the world. So I try to hang in there and keep telling this story because this is what, what provides people dis, like discipline. I always say the 4-H kids and the farm kids aren't, and, and Marla Calico runs the IAA, International Association of Affairs and Expositions, right there mm -hmm. in Springfield. So she's got an ag background and she said, yeah. uh, she's had principals say to her, these aren't the kids who come in and are in trouble, right? No. These are the kids yeah. who have responsibility, have an understanding the world is bigger than them. 
And there's, when you raise an animal, it's reward and discipline and progress. If, you know, if it's an animal you're training. So they have an understanding that it's not all warm and fuzzy and it's not all pretty. It's, it's very, it's not all me, me, me. Very real. Yeah. Yeah. They give. Yeah. They're they're givers. And And we need that more than ever in our society. And it's what's being taken away. And to your point, if they can, if they could take away pet stores and start to take animals out of our lives, that, that if they get dogs, everything else, I mean, it's just a domino effect. And by the way, I ask this all the time. We, if we spay and neuter every pet and we can't go to a pet store and buy a pet and we're going to put breeders out of business, it's easy to do the math. Give 15 years. Let's just round it. How many years before we have no pets? Why don't uh, intelligent you, you, people understand? Well under 15. Yeah, I don't and understand they, that. America's need for pets right now, 70 to 80% of all households has a dog. If we just look at dogs, 70 to 80% have a dog. The, the replacement the replacement numbers based off of ASPCAs, APPAs, University of Mississippi's, I mean, a number of credible, credible sources. Yeah. The replacement number is 8 million, million pets a year. Yep. 8 million. So it of those 8 million, we know about five to six of them come through shelter or rescue programs. Um, every one of those are spayed and neutered and none of those are going to reproduce. So somewhere around a million or less is from professional breeders. So yeah. it, it will not take long. It is, it, you're, you're looking at an eight year turn that if you, if let's spay and neuter everything, we're going to be without pets in eight years. We're going to be without dogs in eight years. Yeah, exactly. And so you just right. identified something else that nobody will talk about that we talk about on this podcast. Shelters, there's a shortfall. We're told everywhere. And yes, some shelters are overcrowded. But I had Patty Strand on as well, who I know you know from mm-hmm. National Animal Interest Alliance. Yeah, NII. Mm-hmm. Wonderful resource for keeping the shelter numbers and the importation of over a million dogs a year where we've created a market in other countries and they had to ban 113 countries, the CDC from imports because of falsified rabies and diseases. Nobody tells that story. They go on TV and cry and say shelters are overcrowded. Hashtag. There's more to the story. A lot more. There's a shortfall of adoptable pets and pets being able to be purchased in this country and we, nobody, but, you know, these smaller things, my little podcast and you folks and Naya are talking about that. And we get vilified for talking about it, by the way. Right. But, you know, I, well, as Megan Kelly says, it's my podcast. <laughs> so I don't care. I don't have a sponsor <laughs> yeah. right now. I can say whatever I want I'm to. I'm sponsoring myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it's such a, it, 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 it the, and we're not far. I remember a story, and this is again one of the things that kind of led to the passion. Is is it we've you know I say we um, because I think we're you know we're, it's sad that we're all in the same pool, right? Whether it's the nationals or, or shelters or, or you know we all we all say we care we care about animals. So um, you know, shame on us for being quiet for so long. You know, yeah. us being the some of the industry side. Shame on us for being you know quiet, and not standing up and saying, "Hey, that's not me." You know, so shame on us. Um, so I so I put everybody in that same lump. But um, you know, it it we've made it because of that silence. We've made it. You know, we've we've demonized we've demonized that want. We you know we we've made it to where 
it, it, you know, if you didn't do it this way, then obviously you're a mean person. And what I mean, you know, if people are, people are nowadays ashamed of saying they, they purchased the breed that they want. And, and it, it really hit me in 2019, my father passed away in January, 2019. And uh, he had a poodle and my father's wife had passed away in 2017. And so chemo is this poodle's name and chemo became my dad's everything little black poodle. And I have, I have not over my 20 plus years in the, in the the industry, I've, I've, I've had hands on, I don't know how many thousands of dogs and animals to date. I have not met a dog that is more pampered and spoiled than this dadgum poodle (laughs) because dad would go home on lunch break and make chemo. He would have lunch with chemo. Dinners were with chemo. Chemo was his, you know, chemo was his everything. And when my dad passed away, the dog was actually depressed. I I mean, we had to wean him off and he wouldn't eat. He, I mean, it was, it was, it was atrocious. Um, I couldn't leave him by himself. We had a huge, my son had graduated from uh, from high school in 2019 and we had a big RV trip planned and I, c- I couldn't go out on this RV trip. I had to take chemo with me um, because, you know, he was still, it's just, he it, it, it was depressed and dad was gone. And so uh, we were in a, we had ended up in an RV park um, in Dolores, Colorado, a beautiful RV park. I wish I could remember the name, but the gorgeous RV park. And I was walking chemo and there was an older couple who was walking a, a really, really pretty Brussels Griffon, you know, the, uh, Jack Nicholson as good as it gets. I mean, little monkey dog folks call them. Yeah. Yeah. But beautiful Brussels, beautiful Brussels. And I'm like, Oh wow, that is a beautiful Brussels. And the first words out of their mouth was we rescued him. It's a oh, rescue. Yeah. Yeah. You you found a breed breed perfect Brussels Griffon, which even in my line of work is a pretty rare breed at a rescue facility. You know, and my 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 response to him was like, "Oh, really? I bought my poodle and there and and whenever they then realized that, oh, we're in we're in light company. They did, they, they did the whole kind of turn. Look yeah. and was like, Oh, we, we bought him too from a breeder. I'm like, yeah. what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. You can put the breed that you wanted this fit your family. It's characteristics fit what you were looking for. And I'm guessing that you did your homework and found a breeder that, that you were comfortable with and you purchased the dog from, there's nothing wrong with that, but we've made that a problem. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And, and yeah. So come on, Tommy, I say what you say about the rescue. Yeah. People like to say it's a rescue. Is that a breed? That's not a breed. And did you rescue it? Did you get it out of a flooded ditch? Did you get it out of a burning building? <laughs> That's what Tommy no. usually says. Did you, you run into a burning building and get this dog? You purchased yeah, what that danger dog. Did you save that animal from? Yeah. Yeah, you, you purchased it from a shelter yeah. or a breeder, but you still purchased it's still retail, you know. Yeah, even if it's a rescue, you still paid money to a entity <laughs> to, to take ownership of that animal and receive something. And, yeah. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless you, you ran into the birding building and got the dog, <laughs> you did not rescue the dog. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, we've, it, and it's, but it's sad how society is so programmed to that. Right. I mean, we've got yes. it. The, um, one of the things with canine care certification is you have to have an established retirement program. Cause that's one of the questions that folks have asked breeders in the past is, what happens when you're done breeding, when they're done breeding? Yeah. yeah. You know, what, what, what do you do with them? And, um, 
you know, so let's answer that question. Let's okay. Hey, we breed for a specific amount of time, you know, being mindful of, you know, peak, you know, peak breeding and, 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 you know, making sure that, that the mom stays in optimal health. We want to retire her before she kind of, because oddly enough, dogs are not too dissimilar from people. The older you get, the higher your risk, you know, the higher risk of complications with pregnancy. So we want to retire them before we start to fall off that cliff and have a higher risk. And there is a number of rescues, a number of them that are more than happy to take a, to take a dog from a breeder, uh, you know, a perfect, perfectly healthy insert breed here from a breeder and then go and, and market it as a rescue. Um, you know, it, uh, and, and, and do with it with as you as you will. I mean, National Mill Dog Rescue is one out of California, and she is probably one of the most atrocious offenders. She will sit at a breeder's house, have a cup of coffee with her, coffee with them, pay some of them, some of them she doesn't, take their retired breeding adults, and you know, tell them how amazing and how awesome they are. But literally, the name of her organization is National Mill Dog Rescue. And then she Facebooks, oh, look at the dogs that we saved. Lady, you didn't save them from a right. thing. She's better at marketing. Nothing. And she's they, getting exactly. uh, funds she for that. good money and has a really nice house. Yeah. And so we opened up our own adoption. We called it A Dog's Dream. And, you know, it. Um, we had one of my staff, their mom was like, just innocently, because that's the nomenclature yeah. that society's taught them. She shared a Facebook post that we had. was like, oh, hey, you know. Go, my daughter works here. Go look at their rescue dogs. And we started getting increased traffic. And it's like, no, we're not going to market these as rescue dogs. We're going to tell a breeder's story. This dog worked. It is now five yeah. years old. She raised she raised four or five wonderful litters. She's happy. And she's ready to chill out on the couch now. Yeah. So she's retired. She's a retired breeding dog. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, because I think there's room for all of us. There's some people that want an adoption dog. They want to roll the dice and save somebody. They, right. they, you know, for whatever reason, I, there are people who want puppies, but I think there's also people out there that are looking for that breed specific dog that don't have the time to raise a puppy. You know, why can't, why can't we all work together in that kind of that beautifully symbiotic way of, Hey, I don't care how you bring a dog into your life. Just make sure it's done the right way. And from the right people, whether it's adoption, whether it's purchasing, whether it's right. you know, getting it retired from a breeder or a puppy, I don't care. I just want to make sure you know, you have the knowledge and the sources to take care of it. And the people you got it from have the knowledge and sources to take care of it. For sure. Uh, Chris, I understand that the canine care certification, which again goes out to certify breeders, their substandard, their standards, um, and their people who come and inspect. I understand there are more breeders who are willing, want to be part of the program. And there aren't actually enough inspectors at this point to like keep up is that the, is that the case yeah that's the that's the choke point so i mean it's their outcome-based standards dr crony and kudos to her and her team yeah. um we you know because it's a hot button topic they they wanted to you know a, a lot of folks won't even go into the commercial breeding space because it just you know they're not good they don't want to deal with the potential yeah. fallout and so her and her team bravely went in and started doing studies i mean they didn't it's it's not a it, they they took studies based on, you know, food, stress levels, behavior, um, and, and really studied how dogs, you know, both the adults and the puppies behaved at these kennels, excuse me, and then wrote a set of standards that are outcome-based and are, and are peer-reviewed. Um, so it's not just, a, again, it's not, oh, I don't want my dogs, 
I don't want my dogs on this type of flooring because it just doesn't feel right. It's, it's peer reviewed. It's, it's, here's the science behind it. Here's what we've studied. Here's what we found. All of it can be found on the Purdue's on Purdue's website. Um, all their all their white papers, uh, they're all published, and they put together this set of standards that that not only takes into account the science behind raising dogs, but also social expectations such as retirement, such as you know um, the you know. Um, uh, I, I can't even think there's, it's just a pretty thick book, but yeah, yeah. so she takes into account, you know, takes into account both the, the outcomes for the dogs and, and what society looks at and inspects. And as he set of standards, a breeder, a breeder can request the set of standards. Um, they're set to them. Um, you know, and, and we have a team, we have a team that, 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 um, we help again, I've been involved with them for eight years. One of the things that, that we found that really kind of helped breeders was, almost having that translator between scientific speak and, and layman's terms. Yeah. And because they're, again, they're all scientific standards. So we, we, we developed a liaison program that I've got a staff that is basically, if a breeder wants to do, if, if they want to do canine care certification and they're having some issues with it, they can contact our liaisons and they can kind of be that in between that medium of, okay, Hey, here's what it says. You know, here's, here's kind of what they mean. Here's how, how, how that applies to your kennel. And, yeah. um, so, uh, right now there's, there's one company called Validus and they have a team of, of auditors that are trained by, you know, um, Dr. Kearney's research team. Cause it, you know, you have to be able to assess the dog's behavior. You have to be able to understand the science that goes into this. You can't be just, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy off the street. I like dogs. I want to become an auditor. There's, there's a pretty significant amount of training that goes into it. Sure. And as well, that's that's our bottleneck right now. Is we have over two hundred kennels that are certified, but I think we have three hundred in the hopper. You know, there's three hundred that are waiting for, and this is growing, right? We're growing nationwide. Uh, we're yeah. growing again. If you go, I think there's a map on Canine Care Certified's website that that shows, you know, kind of where some of these breeders are, and it's 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 a you know, I think we've only a handful of auditors and as more and more breeders are, are finding out about it, hearing about it and, and, you know, scheduling their audits. It's that's our bottleneck is because again, it's, you know, one of the things that really is, is really powerful about canine care certification is it's a voluntary program. It, it, they're not being forced by the government to do it. They're not being required to do it, to get a license. It's completely voluntary. And, the people who inspect them, their jobs aren't reliant on, you know, the people who wrote the rules. Their jobs is literally a third party auditor. They come in and say, okay, here's how this kennel stacked up against the standards. And now it's canine care certified that the folks with canine care, it's their job to say, Hey, you passed or you didn't pass. So it is a volunteer program that is backed by third party valid, you know, third party verification. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's some of the most, you know, stringent and, you know, well thought out set of standards in the country. Um, you know, nobody goes as deep as not just the food we feed, but the behavior that the animals exhibit, you know, and, and we want to make sure that all those things are covered. So, you know, that, that, that the animal again is, you know, really when it boils down to it, that the animal can show you that, you know, they've got the five freedoms, you know, the, the freedom from hunger, the freedom to behave normally. I mean, all the five freedoms of animal welfare, and they can exhibit those and, and, and be happy. Yeah. It's a great solution for, a big problem. Yeah. And it, and it was thought of by breeders. I mean, kudos to the, it was Indiana breeders. It was uh, Indiana and Amish folks that, yeah. 
you know, went yeah. to Purdue and said, hey, can we get our, we want you to do a seal of approval. Yeah, and, folks, can you, know, you imagine they yeah. get vilified with, for their animals? All the time. Yeah, not yeah, for the animals, for everything. I mean, talk yeah. about a, 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 a yeah, vilified group of people, but they, yeah, they're the ones that brought it up. And when Purdue went into it and said, hey, this is an Indiana problem. This this seems to be a nationwide yeah, problem. And are you sure. sure you want us to dig it into this? Because, you know, some of you aren't going to make it. They're like, yeah, come on down. And, and you know, yeah. that's, that's when we got involved. Whenever they were like, hey, we, we see this as a national issue. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah. You know, sign us up. Let's see what we can do better. And that's what people need to understand. That happened with uh, circuses and exhibited animals. Oh, probably 20, 30 years ago now. I was working for a trade association and a guy from um, Ted, Dr. Ted Friend from Texas A&M University was intrigued with the information. He, he was doing agriculture, cows and stuff. And he wanted to see about the behavior of the circus, elephants and big cats, all the hubbub of how terrible and just by nature of traveling and all of that. So he undertook a study and I was the one who had to convince our folks, our, our exhibited animal owners to participate. And, and we, we were, I had to tell them the science is going to be the science. Like he's not doing this because he likes us or because he dislikes us. He's doing it because he's a scientist and he's, he's one of my animal tales podcast, Dr. Ted friend. And, um, I had to go to our people and say, we don't know how this is going to come out with the science. We think as animal experts, we know how to care for our animals and, but let's continue to have updates and science and best practices. And not surprisingly, it came out and said, the transport vehicles were fine, just like people with horses. You know how to keep your horses cool, how the ventilation. The elephants were fine. The big cats were fine, all of them in transport. They ingested the little things that do the hormone levels for them. The only hormone stress, the levels they saw, were when an elephant had some issue with her foot and she was kept out of a show. When she heard the music and part of the herd, not all of the herd, went to perform, she was she pissed. Had to <laughs> she was like, "Wait, it's <laughs> yeah. my music." I right? mean, it, yeah. it seems ridiculous, but you know they and you know elephants. You say, "Load up, Myrtle," and she goes and steps in the truck on her own. You know, it's like road trip. Yeah. You know, but right. but I had to convince them, like like the Amish saying, "I give them so much credit because they're saying, let's see what it's all about. Let's see what the science right. says. Let's see what it's about." Those are the That's people sad, with integrity. That's the yeah, integrity. There's breeders out there that don't want to. There's breeders out there that, that you know, oh, they right. don't know better than I do. And know we're what? okay and to say, okay, you shouldn't be in business. And that's how I felt about our people as well. Yep. There are so many animal cruelty laws. People are like, we need more. We don't need more. No. We'll stand beside you and, inf- and could encourage you to prosecute true animal abuse. But at this point, anybody who owns anything and doesn't use love and cookies for their dogs is considered animal abuse. And it it's it couldn't be further from the truth. And yep. we're getting to the point that animal ownership is considered bad, you know, and to your point. So, I, I mean, I'm all about where what this certification thing is. And if there are bad people out there, by all means, get, let, them, let them be prosecuted. You just mentioned somebody who you said they found out. And they, it was bad. And it seems like the laws worked, right? I own a yep. dog right now who was taken away from some moron who had 35 poodles and, you know, ended, was trying to breed. Well, he didn't know what he was doing. And, he, and, and you know, I say this kind of lightheartedly or, or 
he had poodles. If you're going to be a moron with dogs, don't pick the dog that has the, the hair that needs the most Still upkeep. A I mean, geez. A there's, there's a saying in our, our side that a beagle mom can have 10 puppies and raise 11. Yeah. Beagles are fantastically hardy. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to start, start with the beagle. Yeah. So he don't has all with... these doodles and I, <laughs> I have the standard poodle that was the baby daddy. So when oh, they yeah. confiscated the animals... They, they sent the pregnant mamas, I think there were four or five of them, to homes, right? Well, guess what? All those puppies that were born in a home in fantastic surroundings are rescues, right? Absolutely. It's like of course. Absolutely. They, were, they were born in perfectly good conditions. And, but, you know, yeah, again, it, they got taken away from him. A family member turned yeah. him in. So yeah, because we, we, it does work. We got yeah, to gotta spend time. And again, that's... It, it, People have got to be more invested because of those 20 second elevator speeches and, and, and making it seem simple. It's a breeder doesn't have a day off. Yeah. You know, oh, no. a, a good breeder is again. And that's, that's dogs, cats, elephants, horses. A good breeder works seven days a week, 52 Absolutely. weeks out of the year, you know, and, and it is a hard job. And, and it is, it is a roller coaster of emotions. You have to be unbelievably intelligent or, or, or knowledgeable about the breed you're in. Again, you know, that sounds like a fellow that was trying to raise dogs who were smarter than he was. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, so it, uh, yeah. you know, and, and because we're not willing to have the in-depth conversations, a lot of the general public think, oh, well, I can do that. I mean, we, right. we got a request to the pet store about, hey, I, I have an inquiry about your I think it was a dachshund. Can I breed it? No. Yeah, absolutely cannot. It, you know, it, 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 no. It, 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 you know, how about you learn and, and, you know, find out what it means to own a dog first before you. Yeah. I mean, if your first venture is, hey, I want to buy an animal and start breeding it. No. That's a no. Yeah. You know, and, and and if you get rid of the experts, breeders, the 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 the, the keepers, then that's that's what we have left. It's That's the people right. who don't know what they're doing, and and you think animal welfare is bad now. What what happens when you get rid of the experts? Yeah. It's it just becomes ooh. So it's it's let's talk terrible. now about um, a group that is their uh, pet advocacy network, right? Mm -hmm. A group mm -hmm. that's there to um, I believe. Well, you can tell us what the mission is, but they're there to support proper pet ownership and that type of thing. So, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an organization that's been around for about 50 years. It was formally called PJAC, the pet yeah. industry joint advisory council. And uh, we did a rebrand last year just to kind of, you know, PJAC, while PJAC was a memorable, memorable name, the pet industry joint advisory council is not exactly soft fuzzy and, and doesn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, we, we did a rebrand of the pet, you know, the pet advocacy network and, it's that's it's that name really sums up what we do is we advocate for pets and pet ownership. Um, and that's all pets, you know, and, and, you know, uh, it's a, we, you know, we are, we are a, um, uh, a political group. We do do some, you know, some, some lobbying and, and um, we have certified lobbyists and, and we lobby on behalf of um, pets and, and, and pet ownership. Um, but um, uh, you know, we've, we, we, there's there's a lot of time time money and effort spent um, with the CDC on 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 you know proper health protocols with pets. Yeah, yeah, for with sure. Habri, the Human Animal Bond Research Initiative, um, and how pets you know help pets better our lives. Um, and it's a constant fight. It's a it's an organization uh, 
the uh, I'm vice chair now. I should um, and Marsh uh, take over as chair of the group, um, and we have a budget of about two million, uh, and we're going up against HSUS is 160 million, ASPCA is 248 million, yep. best friends, then they're 200 plus million. I mean, collectively, we're taking on and and you know, doing a pretty darn good job holding our own against three organizations, you know, with a net worth north of 400, almost 500 million. And we're doing it with a $2 million budget, you know, um, and, because um, you've got, you've got expertise, true expertise, expertise and, and science data, science. statistics, science on yep. your side. So once you get past the rhetoric, yeah. It's, yep. yep. All we need is that time to be able to, that time to be able to get into a legislator or somebody's, you know, somebody's office and show them, Hey, like you, again, to, to plug, plug the podcast, there's more to this story. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not just the, it's not just the adopt no shop narrative. There's, there's so much more there's, there's, you know, economics and, 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 you know, right. health and everything else on the line with this and just give us a minute to kind of show you, I mean, California is a perfect, you know, California is a perfect model of a state that mm-hmm. does a full ban on pet stores and does a full ban on breeding what you have and that's pet ownership hasn't decreased at all but the avma reports multiple illnesses that were previously eradicated in the united states distempered um the uh, you know yeah. distemper one rabies is rabies is running rampant and there's over 180 un, unregistered now rescues uh and when you've taken away the regulation from a market you know nature and 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 business itself abhors a vacuum. Somebody will fill that place. And when you remove the regulation, the people who fill that place is the people who are not regulated and therefore right. no longer have to apply by the rules. So now you have now you have businesses that aren't paying any taxes, that are bringing in dogs from across the border that have no vet checks, that are dumping them into the public, you know, under false pretenses yeah. of, you know, rescues right. or adoptions or whatever they call them. And now, now we have more sick dogs, more heartbroken families in the state of California. We can show that with science. And this is what happens when you remove regulation. You know, good regulation is a good thing. And, and yeah. we're supportive of it. But, you know. Um, but yeah, let's, let's I always say, when is by. the last time you saw a herd of multi-poos running down the street? You know. Well, it depends on who you ask. I, yeah. mean, I mean, you know, if you ask Amorizer, it's, it's rampant. You yeah, know, it's, uh, I know. Where is got, this place? <laughs> We've got we've got rabid Brussels Griffons here in Kansas yeah. City, just all over the streets. You know, uh, if only somebody come in and clean them up. No, it's. it's I mean, we're laughing, but it's, it's joke. ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the story that they spin. Is that I mean, there's just poor animals, and 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 we don't have a pet overpopulation problem anymore. We have a logistics problem. Yes, you know, shelters and places in the south are. Yes. you know, they do have shelters that are full, not because there's too many animals, but because, you know. We don't have adoptable uh, adoptable animals at all. Yes, and and you know while shelters in the northeast and in the north are are begging, you know yeah. population centers are begging for well cared for animals. So I mean, you know, finding a way to 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 fit those needs and suit those needs happy in in the way that the animal and again identifying identifying what's a good dog. I mean, identifying what's an adoptable dog. Adoptable, uh, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I got bit by a pit bull. It really went after me. It it just mm-hmm. didn't break the skin. 2 weeks later, that pit bull was online saying adopt me. I'm a great family pet. And I told the woman, this dog should not be adopted. Only because I gave her a little energy as a dog trainer and said, "Hey, you're not going to pull me out of here." She looked up at me like Bowed up. Uh, yeah. uh, oh no, not today. And well, here's and another it was just one. A couple of years ago. Why and, did COVID well, no, in the Northeast? Yeah. In the Northeast, there was that lady um 
she worked with one of the nationals. I forget she was a state director for one of the nationals, and her dog actually killed her grandmother, her grandmother's friend. I know. Oh, the and stories. She, she's advocating for he doesn't need, you know, we, we don't need to put him down. Your dog murdered a human. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a carnage. They will repeat too. Yeah. And I'm sad that it's, it's life led him to that point. That's terrible. Yes. Agreed. I value human life over his and, and, and and that's where we've kind of gotten, you know, fuzzy nowadays. It's just crazy. Also, you know, to, to the extent that we're bringing dogs in COVID, you know, they showed all the empty kennel, all the empty shelters because planes weren't flying. You couldn't right. import people there was or no animals. Import. Yes, there were more people took animals home, but a big piece of that was the supply chain, was the supply like chain dried up temporarily. Yep. And, and when I tell people that, they actually have a bit of an aha moment. But I was yep. like, you want proof in the pudding, you know. There it you is. remove 1.2 to 2 million out of a supply chain of eight. Yeah. It, Cute, it, adoptable it, sudden, dogs. That's 25%. Yeah, you, you remove 25% of any supply chain. Yeah. It, it, you're going to have shortages. I mean, you know, it, it happened with cars, trucks, planes, automobiles, Absolutely. and dogs. Yeah. I mean, so it, um, yeah, yeah, for there, sure. there, that's not an aha moment. That It should be a, hey, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so, you know, the thing is, these are like, very smart people, people who generally, you know, smart people, they make good decisions in their life, but the animal rights groups have done such a good job of, yeah. of vilifying anybody with animals and they're not animal experts, they're fundraising and media experts. Nice. And I see as I'm talking to folks like you on the podcast, the Phil Goss, Patty Strand, those yeah. Mindy from the cavalry group, it's like, it's time. We know we need to come together in a bigger way, but that's why I'm so happy to hear you're the incoming chairman because of the way you think about this topic. Yeah. And, you know, it's collectively it's better. Yeah. Collectively it's better. Cause it's, it, it, again, it's, it's identifying that I'll be the first to admit that 10 years ago, was I doing everything possible best for the dogs? Nope. Probably especially with the knowledge I have today. Yeah. And 10 years from now, I hope to learn even more that says, Hey, I could do a better job here. But it's, but you're right. You hit on the, you know, I mean, you hit on the, you know, the marketing side. My father retired um, after, you know, after his wife passed in 2016 and he came to work for me part-time. He moved up from San Antonio, Texas. Awesome. He came to work for me part-time. And it was, it was fantastic. Dad, dad was uh, in the, the Marriott supply chain. I didn't get to really grow up around him. It was yeah. long family story, but, but it, it meant a lot that he, he came and, you know, just kind of part-time and helped me with staff. And, and he was about three months in and dad came walking in proudly with his monogram, had his name on it, you know, Rex F humane society, of the United States oh. you know, tote bag. <laughs> yes. oh, I know. Dad, <laughs> I know. What in the name of all that is holy is that? <laughs> well, son, I'm in the business now. I just thought I'd help and do my, do my part. I know. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly this Good is a gentleman that, that he knows what I do. He knows what I do. He he's supportive and he's proud of his son. But yet, <laughs> and this is a man that that he worked again. He worked with a very large hotel chain, ran resorts, and hundreds of employees. I mean, he's a very educated man. Fell into the for nineteen ninety nine a month. Yeah. I, I can help my son out with the animal business. Yeah, exactly. And he, was proud as, he was proud as peaches for doing it. I mean, he'd come just strutting in with the bag. I'm like, oh, father, father. Yeah, let me, we <laughs> let need to talk. talk. 
<laughs> Let us have a conversation. So, but yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic marketing. It's it's it's, it's yeah. unbelievable marketing. If somebody will stop for just, it's not the message; it's the time. And My friends who a, are lobbyists say that time. that we just they hear so much more from the other groups, the legislators, of course, the media pick up that narrative. And it's just those of us who are in the animal world, it's hard to give up the time to go spend a week in D.C. or whatever it is. And lobbyists who aren't like in-depth animal people, it it's not quite the same message. You got, I always say you got to have a true animal person beside them to get them in the door. But it, it's just it's an emotion and it's a story that... And it always goes well. I mean, it's just there's not enough of it. And so yeah. thank, thankfully, you'll be part of, you know, working with Pan as well. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love it. breathe it every day. And, and it's yeah. something I, I'm looking forward to. And I'm looking forward to, you know, it, it's because we've, you know, we've worked on finding our way. And, I, and, and I'm proud to, you know, I'm proud to say that we're probably one of the first, you know, one of the first kind of from the dog industry and just, you know, really, really yeah. kind of pushing that narrative of collaboration and, and, you know, hey, we, we, we've got to move forward in a bigger, better way. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you do. I love your business. And I thank you for talking to us about it today. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. Um, but this is a conversation we just need to keep hammering away at. Absolutely. So I thank Absolutely. you so much. Well, Tommy, I say it all the time on Animal Tales as well, but go see for yourself. And he gave some great advice about um, our great information about the certification program, but also talk to the folks at pet stores. The smaller the pet store, the more likely it might be family run. Yeah. And you'll actually get some really good advice, but just stop vilifying people, step back, take a beat. If there is something wrong, there are laws in place to handle it. And if, uh, if all is going well, let's stop vilifying good people for wanting to to be involved or devote their life to animals. It's just. Yeah, they've created a, a like I said, a solution for a, a big problem. So now we have an option to look at really good yeah. places to find dogs. It really is. There's it, ongoing solutions are the way to go. And yeah. so um, now we're up to our pet peeve. And uh, we've been together this week and saw something. Both of us came to this without yes. talking to each other. So. Go for it, Tommy. Yeah, so my pet peeve for this week is uh, we've been staying at a hotel, and in the hotel lobby, uh, there were a lot of dogs uh, over the weekend. Um, I think I counted about five total. Um, and generally speaking, I would say that they were well-behaved, uh, but there were a couple of times where they were barking or they were, um, you know, loud in the, in the lobby. Um, and having them in that public space is my pet peeve. It's yeah. a public space that I don't feel like they should be in. An indoor the, public space. Yes. They're inside in the hotel lobby, which is an op wide open room yeah. with the uh, breakfast area, the continental breakfast area available. Um, so it's not a separate room where the food is, is put out. Um, you know, it's all one big open space and th there's some sanitary concerns. There's, some people don't like dogs. They don't want to be around yeah. dogs. And then having multiple dogs, you always have the potential for something to go wrong, um, especially if they're not well handled or well trained. Um, so I think, you know, it's just there is an opportunity for a lot of disaster there. They were jumping up, barking at each other at yeah. times. And up on the furniture. Yeah. You know, There's a nice couch area. 
uh, sitting area and the, the dogs are up on there. Well, what about the next person that comes in that doesn't want to sit on a, a or couch has covered an allergy fur or has an allergy? Um, yeah, yeah. And we even, uh, you went and asked about the, the manager. Asked <laughs> of course about I the, did. <laughs> well, because what are the rules and regulations when it comes to that? Because we were eating breakfast and there were several dogs that, of course, they let him on the long leash because they might want to visit yeah, you, Tommy. I'm sure. like, I give him the stink eye, like, I don't want your dog to visit me. Pull it back. Yeah. Go, you know. I watched one lady uh, come <laughs> off the elevator uh, and she went to turn left to go outside and the dog went right to go into the lobby. And I heard her say to the dog, oh, you want to go that way? And she just followed her dog out into the lobby rather than going out the door to the dog area where she was wanting to take it. Um you know, so it's it's just a mentality difference, yeah, um, that I don't quite agree with. But the the general manager of the hotel said that the regulation is that they cannot be in the area where the food is served, uh, because that's technically more of like a restaurant considered a restaurant area. Is that correct? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this particular hotel, the way it was laid out, it's one wide open room. There's no real desert. Yeah. You know. The hair could easily fly over yeah. there. The dog, if it was loose, could easily go over there. Exactly. Yeah. And the so, people have their dog and then they're going to the buffet. Right. And getting toast out or getting. Yes. I mean, I mean, you and I would sit in a horse stall and eat a sandwich without any problem, but it's a choice they're making for everybody. Yes. And that's my beef with it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the problem. And, and really that's the pet peeve is people not considering the concerns of others, not considering yeah. that there are other people involved in that situation. Not everybody's so excited about your dog, yeah, even though exactly. it might be a lovely dog, but yeah. And they were all cute and fluffy and how they lovely, were. but the next person may not feel that way. Yeah. It was a Hilton brand hotel and yeah. there's a commercial with Paris Hilton. Don't leave your baby at home. You know? Yeah. Well. Okay. Don't, but put it in your room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't take it to breakfast. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but I think I'll go right into the trainer tip there now. There you go. Maybe do consider leaving your dog at home because are they having fun? Tommy and I talk about this often. Are you bringing the dog for you or because the dog said, oh, I want to go into a really nervous environment and yeah. be in a room by myself or be in my kennel in a room by myself? And um, it's never the animal's fault, which you've heard us say, but... It is, it is a challenge, and I tell people my goal with my animals is to make sure that if I don't come home tonight, somebody can walk in my house, tell my animals to kennel up or tell them to get in the car, take them home, and maybe five days later they'd be like, I wonder where Heidi is. Yeah. And I, I say that in a loving way because I know that we don't have a crystal ball if something happens to me and I can't keep my forever pets they're going to be fine. Those are the, not the animals that go into harm's way in shelters or rescues. Those are the animals who your friends or neighbors or family members say, oh, my God, I'll take those dogs. Mm -hmm. That's the case right now with my animals. People are like, oh, I would love to have your, you know, I'll take troop, you know, I'll Absolutely. take trooper. I'll take. So in my horses, same thing that was important to us. So make sure your animals are well trained, that foundation training, but really consider whether you're taking them for them there's a beach right near the hotel we were at and we weren't staying together. <laughs> we were at a, my daughter's wedding and Tommy was gracious, gracious enough to be our wedding day coordinator. So we, had, we were all in the same hotel, but there's a beach nearby. So now you got to, you can't take your pets on the beach in yeah. most places in Florida. So now you want to go spend six or seven hours out. So 
Well, really, really think about why you're taking your animals and make sure they're kennel trained. Make sure they're comfortable everywhere. I can take my dogs to a hotel. I choose not to, but they're pretty good about it. They're like, yeah. you know, my dogs have the attitude like road trip. Oh, where are we now? Let's check this out. We trooper. talked about that with me coming here. Is yeah, I could have brought Jimmy Dean. He, yeah, he's well into behaved. The episode. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I could have brought him with me, but I chose not to because that would not be the best option for him. Him. I knew coming here that there were going to be extended periods of time where I'd have to leave him, um, yeah. and he would be fine. I know that he yes. would be fine, but he's a lot happier staying with. Uh, my friends at home. But because we know he's going to be fine, my dogs too, were absolutely fine staying. The do- the exactly. woman actually came to my home, but they were like, oh, who are you? Not like, oh my God, where'd my mom yeah. go? Or like Jimmy Dean, he's probably like, oh, I get a, I get a little vacay here. Yeah. <laughs> a I've staycation. Got, I've got great friends yeah. that he stays with. I kept their dog for them right. uh, last week and they kept him for me. Shout out to Joanne and Dari. Thank you for taking care of Jimmy Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're if your animals well behaved, you don't have that stress of needing to take them anyhow, because, you know, they're going to be fine exactly. at home. And, you know, once she texted me a picture twice, I had forgotten to ask because I'm in the middle of a <laughs> big a wedding. But, you know, it was like, oh, great. But I wasn't really concerned because I figured she'd call yeah. me and I know they're going to be fine. They'll so, be fine. Yeah. Did you get a picture of Jimmy Dean this weekend? I actually got a video of him oh. playing. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> okay. So he's doing great. He's doing great. Okay. Yeah. You'll be home soon. Soon. All right. Well, we're glad you joined us, and uh, we hope you will subscribe and rate and review the podcast. It's a new year, and we look forward to having you follow along. So, Because we provide a lot of doggone good information. 